Welcome to Podship Earth. This is your host, Jared Blumenfeld. This week, we talk hemp. Hemp's the term used to classify varieties of cannabis that contain 0.3% or less THC, which is the chemical responsible for most of marijuana's psychological effects. Hemp is the oldest example of human industry. Archaeologists found a remnant of hemp cloth in ancient Mesopotamia dating back to 8000 BC, and in 1535, Henry VIII passed an act compelling all landowners to sow at least a quarter of an acre of hemp or be fined. Historically, hemp has had over 25,000 diverse uses, ranging from paints to printing inks, varnishes, paper, government documents, banknotes, food, textiles. The original Levi jeans were made from hemp cloth, canvas, building materials, and even the Declaration of Independence was written on hemp paper. Then, in the 1930s, plastic was invented, and plastic-based textiles were being made into everything, including clothes. Petroleum interests teamed up with lumber and newspaper barons to put the kibosh on hemp, which was their biggest competitor. And in 1937, at the behest of the oil and paper industries, the U.S. government made hemp illegal. World War II led to a brief resurgence of hemp to help the war effort, but the ban was reinstituted soon after. With modern technical developments, the uses of hemp have increased to include composite boards, motor vehicle brakes and panels, hemp-based plastic, fuels, and in fact today anything that can be made from a fossil fuel or hydrocarbon can now be made out of hemp, a carbohydrate. Which brings us to the present. Hemp is now finally legal in the U.S., and we have Senator Mitch McConnell, a Republican from Kentucky, to thank. Senator Mitch McConnell announcing a new bill today that would legalize hemp as an industrial product. It could have huge implications on Kentucky. Tobacco could be its past. Hemp may be the future. The road to pot legalization may be a lot smoother following Congress's vote to pass the Farm Bill, which, among other things, legalizes hemp. The Farm Bill opens up the door for farmers across the country to make more money. And now that money can be protected. Another important feature of the Farm Bill is giving hemp farmers the ability to insure their crops. In this greenhouse alone, you have 800 hemp plants. We're talking hundreds and thousands of dollars worth of investments to insure. The Farm Bill also gives farmers access to banks and expands the market of who they can sell to nationwide. Right now, products can vary from clothes to oils and more. To find out what California is doing to take advantage of this new era of hemp, I meet up with Republican State Senator Scott Wilk, who represents a large area of northeastern Los Angeles County, including the Antelope Valley. Senator Wilk was the sponsor of legislation that brought the reality of hemp farming back to the Golden State. I begin by asking Senator Wilk how he became a champion for hemp. I didn't know actually anything about hemp at all. And my local farmers up in the Antelope Valley had just uh, finished 16 years of litigating on water rights. And they were the big losers. And um, the community is getting their water allocation cut by 50% 
over the next five years. Actually, we're in year two right now. And the primary crop is alfalfa, which is seven acre feet of water per acre, which is you know pretty intense. And they realized that there was an opportunity with industrial hemp, that the climate's perfect there. And it's about one third of the water usage than alfalfa. But they couldn't do it because the state was not in compliance with the, with the Fed. So it was kind of weird because a year ago, you could grow cannabis in California, but you couldn't grow hemp. I know. Crazy, huh? It, well, you know, that's how government works. And it also seemed like Mitch McConnell, President Trump, like this, this wasn't the usual cast of characters that you would assume would be pushing for hemp at the federal level, but that's who was helping. Well, actually, Kentucky's been a leader on that because they've been transitioning out of tobacco and industrial hemp's a great crop uh, in Kentucky. So yeah, McConnell's been a leader for quite a while, but the last iteration of the the, the farm bill, the two sponsors was uh, McConnell and um, Chuck Schumer. So that's probably the only thing that they agreed on in D.C. last year was, was the Farm Act making, I'm mean, actually pulling industrial hemp out of uh, schedule one and making it an agricultural product. When you and I first met about it, you were like, there's hempcrete, BMWs making, you know, brake pads out of hemp. I couldn't believe it, but it's true. Yeah, it's all, it's all true. Yeah, well, I mean, 30 other industrialized countries are already growing and, and using hemp in, in the manufacturing of 25,000 different products. And uh, for in terms of cars, it's a lot more than brake pads. It's actually the outside skins of the cars because the fiber is so strong and so lightweight. And now they've learned how to pelletize it. So they can use it in, in all kinds of products. But uh, Mercedes, Jag, uh, VW, and BMW are all using a lot of hemp products in their in their vehicles that they're manufacturing in Europe. I mean, it seems like a wonder plant. Well, again, because it's the you know versatility. So, I mean, obviously, it's going to have all kinds of incredible health benefits because of CBD, which I think we've only scratched the surface on. I really think that's going to lead to a, a decrease in dementia, in cancer, in a lot of other products. I mean, my son last year was diagnosed with cancer, had surgery. Uh, so removed it, but there was infected lymph nodes outside of the surgical area. Uh, his doctors wanted him to go through chemo. I said, why don't we wait? And I put him on CBD right away. And that was in October. He is now cancer-free hmm. without ever having chemo. That's an incredible story. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is hemp helped discover America because Christopher Columbus boats, uh, the Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria, the sails were, were made out of hemp. The caulking on the bottom of the boat to make it uh, waterproof made out of hemp. And then our founding fathers, they all grew it, fed it to livestock, used it, used it for all kinds of products. So Thomas Jefferson, when he was drafting the Declaration of Independence, was on hemp paper. Betsy Ross, when she weaved the first American flag, made out of hemp. So hemp is American all the way. So when you were pushing this bill through the Senate, were there folks that were opposed to it? Yeah, there, there still are. And it's kind of silly. Because, you know, when we look at agriculture, and, and not that I'm advocating this, but, you know, fact of the matter is, I know you know this, 41% of all of our water is consumed by ag agriculture, yet they only produce 2% of GDP. So I think a lot of people are going to convert crops to, from whatever they're, they're growing to, to hemp. And I mean, I don't think we have to dictate it as, as government policy. I think the market's going to dictate that between climate change and water's just going to get more expensive, that they're going to do the smart thing and convert. 
It's so great to hear Republican environmental voices like yours. There, there's not that many of them. We're all environmentalists. It's, it's in our interest to, to be you know, proper, proper stewards. I mean, I've got solar on my house. I drive a, a hybrid plug-in, recycle, you know, all smart things that, that make, it a, make it a better world. I'd love to rip out my front lawn, but my wife won't allow it. So, <laughs> so how do we get back to that place? As I tell people, Richard Nixon signed all the major environmental laws, the Clean Air Act, the Clean Water Act. He created the Federal Environmental Protection Agency. Ronald Reagan signed into law um, CEQA. Mm -hmm. And Pete Wilson, as a Republican governor in California, created the agency that I now get to lead. And yet today, there's a large deficit at the national level when it comes to Republican leadership on the environment. I think from a lot of the perspective, uh, we're defined by what happens in Washington, D.C., and I would say that California Republicans in outlook and demeanor are much different uh, than Washington, D.C., but unfortunately, no one covers us. Uh, Even though I would say if you live in California, the votes that I cast and the decisions that we make as a legislative body have a much bigger impact on your day-to-day living than anything that happens in D.C. So the water you drink, the air you breathe, the road you drive on, the education that your children and grandchildren receive, all those decisions are made in Sacramento and no one follows us. Next, I head out to the edges of the Mojave Desert to meet with farmers in Senator Wilkes' district who are planting their very first crop of industrial hemp. I start by talking with Don Collins, the president of SoCal Farms, which is California's first large-scale agricultural hemp project grown specifically for CBDs, which are the non-hallucinogen medical properties of hemp, which are being used to treat everything from epilepsy seizures in children to chronic pain in adults. So, Don, where are we right now? We're in the Antelope Valley. We're in the high desert. We're north of L.A., about 80 miles. We are on SoCal Farms. We are on the the first hemp being planted in L.A. County. I actually started several years ago understanding that the the hemp would be a a viable option, another commodity that we could grow on the farm. And uh, as farming has gotten harder and tighter, water sources, we've looked for things that... Uh, make us more sustainable. And so as we delved in and did a lot of research, we really recognize him. You've been a farmer though for a long time. Um, my family started farming in the Central Valley in 1941, and my grandfather actually grew hemp during World War II. And uh, then the government switched him to cotton after the war. So it, uh, it's like a long full cycle of the third generation. So I am a third generation farmer, yes. And I actually started on the farm when I was about five years old, and I'm 61 today. Just unbelievable enthusiasm and people coming out, just so much energy behind this project. Uh, absolutely. It's a historic moment. It can change the valley here. Um, and it can actually change the nation. This is a this is a commodity that, as family farms are decreasing uh, due to economics, this is something that can put them back on the map. People that have worked, uh, like my family, three gen, four generation, five generations, and end up losing a farm. This is an option that that can literally change that dynamics. People also seem excited by what it's doing for the environment. Well, hemp hemp is very water conservative, first of all. Hemp is, is a very sturdy, strong plant. It, it's going to take less 
um, environmental inputs, in other words, less sprays, less commercial inputs. We right here are an organic operation. We are raising this organic. We we want to be at the top of the food chain with the best product. If you're talking about the extract side, the oil side, I don't want the 25-year-old mom with the three-year-old son uh, or daughter who has uh, epilepsy putting a uh, product that might have uh, constituents in it that's not wanted. So we're we're trying to take it past just a, a commercial farming to the next level. And you're starting today with a uh, hundred acres, but there are plans for a lot more. Yeah, today we have a hundred acres in the ground, six hundred and fifty thousand uh, live plants. In July, we will plant another two hundred acres. And in the 2020 year, we're, we're, we're looking at between 500 and 1,000 acres here in the Antelope Valley. Incredible. So the ones that we see today that just tipping out from the earth, um, how long will it take to full maturation? So this is a autoflower seed. So from seed to harvest is roughly between 75 and 85 days. So we're, we're literally 75 days away from harvest at this point. Incredible. So how big will the plants be in 75 days? So we're expecting these plants to be around 30 inches in height. That's why we have a high-density planting here uh, for it. The summer planting will be less density, and they will get to be about 48 inches in height. As you grow, will it, will it continue to be extraction for the CBD oil, or will you, are you thinking about other products? Oh, we're definitely thinking about other products. The CBD oil is, is, is the monster on the block, but... Our interest is to take the entire plant and make a full circle with it. We are looking at the bioplastic potential behind this with replacing the hydrocarbons in plastic. With the, the challenges the entire world is facing with plastic contamination, we think this is at least one of the answers for that problem. We're looking at fiber. Levi Strauss is back making a product with hemp. Uh, we will be talking to Patagonia this next month who are making hemp products already. And so we are definitely interested in exploring every avenue. You're starting with 100 acres. You're going to move to 1,000 acres. Like when do you think the state's going to become a, a large producer of hemp? I think in the next 36 months, you're going to see hemp having a, a, a solid presence in the state of California. We're, we're really in a, a very unique position where we have sunlight, good dirt, labor uh, is available, uh, high-quality labor is available to, to even vertically integrate in this business. So I think in the next 36 months, you're going to see a big push. Are you thinking about processing facilities or how you how is that infrastructure being thought about? Yes, we've already acquired an 80,000 square foot facility, uh, about half cold storage, half dry storage. And we are we are trying to bring as many jobs back here to the Antelope Valley, ag-related jobs. Talking of jobs, I meet up with Ricardo Chavez, who is thinking about how to engage and motivate the next generation of hemp farmers. Uh, I've been working with students. Uh, mainly at the community college level. I think that it's important if we really want this thing to take off, we have to institutionalize the products and we also have to create a career path for people. How long have you been into hemp? I was formerly a medical marijuana farmer. I was an indoor grower. Uh, I grew under Prop 215. I was a contract farmer. I didn't do any sales or anything like that. I just grew for people. So my uncle was Cesar Chavez, and my mother's Dolores Huerta, so they're actually, you know, yeah, the founders of the United Farm Workers yeah. Union. So I grew up around agriculture. Um, obviously, my dad was a farm worker, and so I kind of like to 
think of myself as, you know, I'm just a farm worker, but I was drawn to this plant because I know of all its uh, amazing healing properties. Do you think there's an equity element to what's happening with hemp? There's always been a social justice side to it because they really used uh, racism against African-American and Mexican-American people. That was their ad campaign to get it probated. Since, in large part, you know, our community suffered greatly from the failed war on drugs, I feel like I want to make sure that we also have our seat at the table and everybody gets to eat from this pie. And so I, I feel really good about the way things are shaping up. You know? So tell us about how you see the future of hemp. Well, I think we just got to get down to the, the nuts and bolts out the gate. It's work. In the end of the day, it's work. You know, there's dreams and then there's just work. All of our student groups have been doing a petition, which is basically, would you like to see the school incorporate more sustainable products? And so if you think about it, say you have a roll of toilet paper that's made out of virgin wood pulp from the Amazon rainforest, (laughs) you know what I mean? And we're basically wiping ourselves with the Amazon. We could, uh, you know, hemp creates, you know, two to four times the amount of biomass, uh, biofiber per acre over old growth forest. And it only takes four months to grow, where in the case of old-growth forest, that's generations and in many cases cannot be replenished. So I think it's a no-brainer. And in a lot of these regions in California, we'll be able to grow year-round, you know, two and three harvests a year. And if our students are demanding that we have hemp toilet paper, hemp terry towels, hemp uniforms, and we get away from nylons and hydrocarbons and we get more into the carbohydrates, then I think uh, we're going to be that change that we want to see. What is hempcrete? So basically hempcrete is, it's, it's the same concept as rammed earth or adobe. Um, it has great insulatory products, but it's different in the sense that your aggregate is lime and your insulatory product is the hemp. And so what you do is you create this amazing product. It's pretty much fireproof. It's antimicrobial. It's a pest resistant against you know mice and all that because any kind of insects because the lime is so toxic to them however you know for us it's the healthiest thing it is it's it's breathable there's no need for any kind of uh, poisonous materials like you know drywall or fiberglasses any of that stuff i mean basically the homes we live in these days are poison they're poisonous to us we've developed a poisonous society and so this is a, a taking a step back and basically it's just water lime and hempcrete you still have a regular stick frame but you do a form wall system it's like pouring concrete and you make a house after 28 days it dries and once that process is done it begins the process of petrification which takes thousands and thousands of years but that process is literally the hempcrete pulling carbon out of the atmosphere and turning itself into rock so, Ricardo, what, what do you see five, ten years from now in California as a result of what we saw today? I see uh, colleges, um, public works projects, prevailing wage jobs in those sectors. I see manufacturing. I see a whole new bipartisan or you know tripartisan if you think about who we don't know the the economy is changing everything is changing so fast but one thing we do know is that i believe that hemp is the vehicle that's going to take us into that next phase a lot of the, the sustainable practices that farming is adopting now were brought to prominence by the marijuana industry we need to follow along in in those footsteps and keep this industry at the highest level possible when it comes to sustainability, when it comes to, you know, basically giving back and protecting our Mother Earth.
One of the students has been mentored by Ricardo and has definitely caught the hemp bug is Alicia Rivera, who is a student at the local community college. So tell us about the club you started at Antelope College. It is called the Industrial Hemp Student Alliance. Uh, I am the president and we, our goal is to educate on all the good things about hemp and because it's quite unknown and there's quite a lot of ignorance towards it. I just like to educate and bring awareness to all the good things that it can do. And so what did it feel like? You're like part of history here today. It feels exciting. <laughs> it's it's so exciting. I have been dreaming about this for a couple years now. Uh, I've started working in the marijuana business and uh, I know how to cultivate it and I guess when you're in that business you learn about hemp because it's the same thing and so that's I learned about it at the right perfect time and and then I became passionate about it and I've gone to a school where they were starting a hemp farm and I'm like oh my god like the universe is doing this for me and I'm just so grateful and so excited. What do you think it will mean for the economic development of this community? I think that it will bring a balance between Mother Earth and business. Um, I believe that, you know, it's all about making money and taking stuff from the earth, you know, to produce things. And um, I think it'll just rebalance everything and just take care of the earth and, you know, bring sustainable products and sustainability, you know, back into our hands. Cool. And what will you do when you graduate? I, <laughs> when I graduate, <laughs> I think I will be an activist, an advocate for hemp. Hopefully, I will have my own hemp companies going as well. Um, I'm studying to be a nurse practitioner, and uh, I'm advocating for, you know, holistic health, just overall sustainability, sustainable living. So I think hemp will... So you, you'll see me as a nurse practitioner advocating for sustainable health and a sustainable life. And yeah, <laughs> hopefully I'll be the queen of hemp. <laughs> Back at the hemp farm in Antelope Valley, I get in the cab of Brandon Calendry's tractor. I start by asking Brandon, who is the vice president of farming operations for SoCal Farms, what kind of tractor he's driving. We are sitting inside of a 6190 John Deere that has about 200 horsepower of uh, pure running power. Nice. Gonna start this thing up. Yep. It's pretty quiet. Very, very, very quiet. Hold on a second, we got a little issue here. System. I don't think, do we have enough turning radius to get this thing out? Oh, these things turn on a dime. Amazing. So how long have you been farming, Brandon? I am the grandson of an Italian immigrant that came over from Italy and started growing in the San Fernando Valley back in the 20s. Um, late 20s and uh, found their way with sugar beets, cantaloupes, um, all sorts of different crops, uh, true to form with a first-generation immigrant family, uh, really had trouble making it in the States. And my grandfather uh, eventually moved up here to the Antelope Valley. He said the reason he settled here in the Antelope Valley was he ran out of money on his way to Bakersfield. <laughs> 
and in the late 1960s, there was a worldwide shortage of onions that led to one of the most profitable years in the onion history. My grandfather was the largest onion grower in the nation for a long time. So why are you planting your first crop of industrial hemp? With President Trump descheduling hemp from the uh, Schedule 1 list of the cannabis products, this has enabled us to take on this new project. I couldn't get into uh, the marijuana industry because of the business that I'm in, and there was a lot of different reasons that stopped me from getting into the marijuana industry. But when Trump descheduled it, it enabled us to have the banking backing that we need. It enabled a lot of doors to be open. Over our tenure as a family with growing different crops, we've grown from Mexicali, Mexico, all the way to Quincy, Washington, throughout many different districts in the California area, and have a pretty good knowledge of the challenges that are faced in those areas, whether it be regulatory issues, labor issues, uh, just a variety of different things. And you can really see a positive impact that the hemp may be able to have in the future. So this is your first crop of hemp. How's it, how's it been going? Well, thankfully, hemp is a similar crop to a lot of different commodities that we've grown over the years, such as uh, bell peppers, tomatoes, uh, a lot of different melon crops. Um, they have a lot of the same issues uh, in hemp that you have with tomatoes and uh, bell pepper crops. How do you work out what seeds, like whether it's onions or bell peppers or melons or now hemp, like, how did you pick the seeds? The seed goes through a vetting process just like you would see with most any other crops. We actually spent well over a year looking at the different varietals, traveling to different areas, looking at the mother plants that produce the seeds. If you know where your seed's coming from, then you know where your seed's going. So as a farmer, how are you going <laughs> to... How are you going to make a decision as to go from a hundred acres to a thousand? Like, how do you make those decisions? Well, it's an economical decision at the end of the day. And so when you look at the economics of it, you have to sit there and look at the cost analysis of growing the crop, expanding the crop, make sure that your profit margins are in line for you to be able to be, continue to be successful in your uh, increased production. So if it makes sense and you have an in-use clientele, you'll be able to expand further in the business. 20 years ago, everybody said that the almond market was completely saturated. Well, the almond market has continued to grow, it has continued to flourish, it has continued to thrive, and uh, has been probably one of the most successful agricultural products that we've seen in the state of California in a generation, or at least until hemp came on board. And we'll see what... Uh, type of production and the issues that we face with the hemp crops coming for, coming up in the near future. So you think hemp has the possibility to overtake almonds? Yes, I do. I think hemp has a possibility to set the bar for new agricultural crops uh, in regards to profitability. Are you just selling the hemp or are you also involved in the processing? We are going to uh, get involved with the processing of hemp. Uh, our plans are to expand into the future of uh, processing and developing an in-use product for the materials that we're growing. That way, ultimately, for the consumer and the consumer safety aspect of it, that they understand that they have top-tier growers that are well vetted in the industry, that have complete understanding of all the compliance issues that you need to have 
for an operation such as this that is a seed to shelf operation with food safety standards, with every standard that's set forth by the state of California. People oftentimes talk about the regulatory aspects of the state of California. Well, the regulatory aspects of the state of California ultimately keep everybody safe. And the reasons that these regulations are here is because something bad happened and California was able to respond. So I'm proud to be a California farmer because at the end of the day, we're keeping our citizens safe. Do you see yourself as an environmentalist and a farmer? I see myself that as somebody that is making a conscious effort every day to protect the resources that we hold so vital in our families, legacies that we truthfully and honestly are always cognizant of protecting the environment and the natural resources that we depend on for our way of life. As Brandon mentioned, the hemp seed vetting process took him more than a year. He ended up with a specialty CBD hemp company called HGH Seed based out of Longmont, Colorado. I talk with Alexandra Rodriguez, who is HGH Seed's director of growth. Alexandra, how did you get into hemp? I came from to hemp from the textile industry, actually. Um, I worked to create a yarn out of hemp, regenerative cotton, um, which we sourced from California, and alpaca, which we sourced from Oregon. And I started researching hemp more and more and more and started to realize all of the environmental benefits, the much less water that it requires to grow, um, the resiliency of the plant, the microbial properties of it that keeps it resistant from a lot of pesticides out there that a lot of crops um, like cotton do not have. That's why it takes a lot of sprays and you need pesticides to, to keep bugs from raiding cotton fields. So that was really exciting to me. I'm a regular user of CBD. I put it in my coffee every morning. Um, I use hemp milk and I have hemp protein. You know, so I've, I've been amazed at how many uses there are for this plant. It's incredible. So you're like a poster child for the hemp industry. And your company, does it do just seeds or other things too? So, so we are, Bodhi Urban is our founder and he uh, founded the first CBD feminized hemp seed strain, one of the first, and it's uh, called Cherry Wine. And Cherry. Cherry Wine. Okay. And we have a bunch of other strains also. They're, they're named after uh, different wine varieties. And um, they're just constantly producing strains. It's amazing. They're producing really resilient hybrids for different microclimates. We're opening up a, a 30-some acre uh, greenhouse operation in Ventura, California. And we're going to have separate greenhouses dedicated to separate strains. It allows us to say, hey, we can we can grow it in this microclimate, we can grow it in that, and also to, to just produce more and more. So phenotyping and, and looking for different strains out there is really what HGH is going after. How are you seeing the industry mature in the next two, three years? We're really focused on the industrial strains. So developing um, industrial strains to use for bioplastics, for textiles, um, and paper, and all of those industrial uses that uh, can improve our daily lives with more renewable and biodegradable sources. And do you think there's going to be a major pushback from, like, 
big oil and the, the people that are making plastics against hemp? You know, it happened in the 30s and 40s, and I don't want to see it happen again. I think it's going to take the strength of all the people that are in this industry and that believe in it, and it's going to take a lot of forward thinking of our government. In your normal week, like, what are the phone calls are you getting? Is it from growers? Is it from just the media? Like, who's who's like interested in hemp right now? We just had a two-hour drive down from Santa Barbara, um, and we were discussing just the influx of seed sales that we're getting state by state. It's a huge focus with regenerative agriculture is storing carbon in the soil, taking it out of the atmosphere and putting it back into the ground through via the plant by planting different crops and uh, ensuring that there are no pesticides being used. So that is a, is a huge focus there. It's, it's really, really exciting to see this. And I'm really happy to see more women getting involved. And my mom grew up in, on, a, on a farm in Ohio, and um, she was in 4-H and the FFA. And so I'm just happy I can kind of carry that over too. A huge thank you to Senator Scott Wilk, Don Collins, Ricardo Chavez, Alicia Rivera, Brandon Calandri, and Alexandra Rodriguez for giving us such an in-depth view of why folks on every side of the aisle are jumping up and down in praise of hemp. This mighty plant can not only save a great deal of water compared to other crops, but it can be turned into every product that was once made out of plastic. Levi's and Patagonia are lining up to get their hemp products out the door, while BMW and Jaguars are already sporting hemp components. Meanwhile, the promise of Don and Brandon's crop is to bring the healing properties of hemp-based CBDs onto the market in a big way. As I was driving back through Arvin, California this week, I stopped to admire a huge field of hemp, which was ready to be harvested. It was like a scene out of the latest season of Narcos Mexico, except there was no fence, no guards, just hemp blowing in the wind. And just when you thought life couldn't get any more like a Mel Brooks movie, this news just in on Steve Bannon's latest plans. So hemp has been legal for two months now, and some of the country's most outspoken conservatives have already brainstormed an unusual new use for this plant. Congress has so far shut down every single one of President Trump's attempts to get his infamous border wall built. So a team of his supporters just came up with an alternative idea, crowdfunding a border wall made out of hemp. The new plan, spearheaded by former White House chief strategist Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon aside, Hemp has the power to bring us together. I've never seen Republicans excited about any environmental issue as the benefits derived from hemp. I couldn't imagine I'd ever say this, but Mitch McConnell might actually help end our addiction to plastic by promoting hemp-based alternatives. In the next episode of Podship Earth, I talk with Dr. Daniel Taylor, the world's leading authority on the Yeti, the abominable snowman, Sasquatch, and Bigfoot. Daniel's search for the Yeti led him to amazing discoveries, including the need for protecting the areas around Everest. Daniel's the founder of a global grassroots organization called Future Generations and Future Generations University. Thanks so much for being part of the Podship Earth journey. From the entire Podship Earth crew, sound engineer Rob Spate, executive producer David Kahn, and from me, Jared Blumenfeld, add some hemp seeds to your next meal and see how good they make you feel. (laughs) 